This is the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone listening. This is VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on this Thursday, the 12th of September, 2019, the year being. So thank you for tuning in to this newest edition of VORW, a weekly podcast. Really, the whole point of it is to offer miscellaneous, wide-ranging discussion. Some weeks it'll just be about current events, some weeks it will take a more moral, philosophical turn. Sometimes we'll have some fun discussion on conspiracies and cryptids and the unknown. And other weeks, the discussion may very well be cut and dry. It might just feature opening up the mailbag or talking about whatever is on my mind. In short, a free-form weekly talk program, roughly about an hour in length, though. I really, I don't time myself. So if the show ends up being 40 minutes, then it's 40 minutes. If it's an hour and 40 minutes, then that's what the length of it ends up being. So it's as long as it is or as short as it is. Today's program is going to feature discussion on the question which I asked in the last show, and that was, do you think looks matter in politics? And again, what spawned that, number one, I should stress, as a disclaimer, understanding how things are nowadays, this is not any sort of partisan discussion. This isn't going to include the usual finger-pointing, as many political discussions often do nowadays, where, so it seems, if you even wish to discuss politics, you have to blame someone else. And you have to say, like, let's just give this discussion, for example. Nowadays, it seems like it would always have to entail something like, yeah, I do think that looks matter in politics, and that's because the, the Democrats look like this, or the Republicans look like this. Uh, no, absolutely. This is not what this program is about. As a matter of fact, there will be no overt political attacks against any side in this show. And likewise, this is a, the way I feel about it anyway, a commentary, not on one mindset or another, but the political system as a whole. The left, the right, the center everyone and anyone in between. So that's where it stands. An apolitical discussion, although about, in some regard, a political uh, issue or topic, but it can be done and it will be done in today's program. So we're going to be getting to that, and we'll be taking your feedback, your audio messages, and, of course, your written correspondence. Two other little anecdotes that I did wish to bring up. Maybe three, maybe two. We'll see what happens. Number one, I just wanted to thank everyone who did support the broadcast to the Bahamas. As promised, I would give an update, and I'll keep it short, but I have established that broadcast to the Bahamas. It is three hours a week, every week, uh, Saturday night, Sunday night, and Thursday night, on the frequency of 50-10 kilohertz, and it's a new program. So I now produce three shows at a minimum every week. This program has an interesting format, but it's what I feel is best. It features that light entertainment layout with some music. But more importantly, the first 15 minutes of the show feature hard news. And it's a lot of work to do, but I think it's worth it. Where what I will do at the beginning of each program, is I will go out that day, I will look at what's going on in the world, and I will find about three international news headlines and stories, two national news stories, two stories pertinent to the Bahamas, a science and technology piece, a health piece, uh, maybe a general interest piece, and then also weather updates for the Bahamas and the Atlantic Tropical Basin. And I'll compile it, make a script, type it up, and then I will go ahead and 
you know, read and, and comment on it for 15 minutes of the show. So it also features an active news segment to keep listeners who tune in informed and up to date. And uh, so that's that's really how it differs, best way to put it. But it's a lot of work, but in my opinion, again, it's worth it to do. So a huge thank you to everyone who made that a reality. And the signal is great in the Bahamas and the area, so that's even better that it is reaching its intended audience. Likewise, and I'm going to spend as minimum time on this as absolutely possible, just understand that with this program, for some reason the videos on YouTube keep getting demonetized one after the next after the next. No other platforms are monetized. Consider supporting the program via PayPal to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com or via Patreon at patreon.com slash the report of the week. If you'd like to advertise on this program and get your message out to a wide audience, send me an email inquiring at V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. See, I kept that one very short, because in truth, I absolutely detest ever even having to talk about those things, because it's not right. I don't like bringing that up, and I'd rather just do the show, so that's what I'm doing today. You know, I was looking at the calendar, and uh, it's kind of surreal to think. I know it's a morbid subject, but something I still wanted to share my thoughts on anyway, that yesterday, September 11th, it's been 18 years since the 9-11 attacks. 18 years. (laughs) It's incredible. And, of course, I was quite young. But I remember September 11th, and I'm willing to bet that if I lived anywhere else, I I wouldn't have remembered that day, because, again, I was quite young. But having lived in southern New York, of course, it hit home. And it was a very early memory, so of course I didn't remember the day as it played out in its entirety. But I remember during that day, even even in my mind then at such a young age, I remembered that it was it was something significant that was going down. And I remember that day how clear the sky was. You know, you look at the videos, it was, it was a picturesque, absolutely clear, beautiful day. And I remember when the news broke, just how taken back everyone was. And I understand, I I absolutely understand why. Even when I sometimes watch the videos of it, it's just, it's surreal to think that, that these towers came down like that. And of course, the resulting death and destruction and all of that. I remember the nonstop coverage on television. I remember the whole area in the resulting days had this very unpleasant scent in the air, and obviously that was because of all the the clouds of the debris that had swept over the region. It smelt like burnt plastic is how I remember it. And I don't think that was very good to breathe in, but There is no other choice. All the air outside smelled like that for a while. I remember wondering if it was going to happen again, and I remember even discussing with one of my classmates, as young as we were, I was asking, I remember I was asking him, he was telling me that his mother worked in the, the World Trade Center, and that she just barely escaped, that she had to run down the stairs, and obviously the elevators were... Not an option there. It was on one of the higher floors, thankfully, under where the impact was. But I, I just remember even then, despite being young, it was a very surreal time. And retrospectively, reflecting on it, it's still surreal to think this actually happened. It's it's terrifying, really. Best way to put it. It's, that's how I would say, anyway. Absolutely terrifying. And I think even to this day, 18 years later, a very important but equally sensitive issue. It's how I feel about it anyway. It's not something that people should refrain from talking about or discussing, but at the same time, I think there still needs to be, at the very least, a certain type of respect, 
especially given toward those who, who worked so hard to try and save as many people as they could, and to all those who lost their lives in it. So that's what it comes down to. I just wanted to share a few thoughts there. First and foremost, as is tradition, as is a feature, a staple of every VORW broadcast, uh, let's give out the, well, the contact address, uh, but more importantly, the question and topic for next week's show. And the way that this works, as it does with every program, I will give out a question. And it's not like, you know, what's uh, what's 2 plus 2 or something like that. It's open-ended. It's in order to get your opinion and your feedback, uh, something that there is really no definitive answer to. And uh, I'll shout it out. And uh, then as a listener, if you want to share your response, and it can be anything. Like I said, I welcome, uh, you know, as long as it's appropriate, uh, any any and all viewpoints, you know. I, uh, I just let you guys kind of have the floor and go for it. And then you can write in, uh, submit your feedback in writing, or you can pick up a microphone or anything on your phone or any recording device, spew it out verbally, and then send me the audio file. And either way, then in the next show, we'll get to your answers and your responses and all of that good stuff. So here's the question for this week's program. And uh, like I said, this one especially is extremely open-ended. There is no... There is no definitive answer as far as we are concerned at this point in time. We just don't know. There's no way to prove it, no way to disprove it. Uh, So as a result, I would just, I would love to know what you guys think about this one and uh, maybe why you you feel this way. And uh, even if you just say, look, I don't really know, it's just a gut feeling that I have. That's completely fine also. Or uh, just what you think about it overall. So here we go. This one is kind of in regards to the universe, okay? So like I said, we're getting into those things that can't really be proven or disproven. You know, you always hear uh, from time to time different theories about the universe, how things are, uh, if we are alone, you know, so on and so forth. And one thing that'll get discussed from time to time is if there are other universes out there. Uh, You know... Is this reality that we live in the only one, and that's it? Or are there multiple universes, uh, parallel universes? Are there an infinite number of different universes out there? So, my question really is, do you think there are parallel universes? Uh, If you do, you do. If you don't, you don't. Either way, I would love to hear from you and know what you think about this. And like I said, there's no way to prove it or disprove it. So your opinion is everything. Let me know what you think. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. That's V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Like I said, now you can spell it out in writing. Send it in that way. Just send an email there. Or again, you can pick up your microphone or audio recording device and shout it out. And either way, I will play it on the show next week. And uh, we will get your response and feedback out. So yeah, what do you think? Do you think there are other universes, other parallel universes out there? Not necessarily parallel ones that are totally different. Or do you think we are one and only? We're the only thing going. What do you think it is? As for me, to be quite honest, I have no idea. I am completely, completely on the fence on this one. I take a neutral, middle-of-the-road type of uh, position on this. I don't adamantly believe necessarily in one or the other. Um, but for me, with this, this one, I feel, well... I'd say that there's a good chance of of either one. Uh, For instance, if, let's say, other universes end up getting discovered, where somehow the proof emerges that that is a possibility, I'm not going to be, you know, of course, I think we will all be amazed. But 
I won't necessarily be too surprised to think, yeah, well, I did see that as a possibility, absolutely. Whereas if it's revealed as, uh, let's say, this is the only one we got, again, I'd be surprised and I'd kind of think, well, you know, it's kind of a bummer, but maybe that's just the way things are meant to be. And that's just how it is. And, you know, after all, this might be the only one that matters, regardless of number at this point in time, anyway. So I'm interested in your thoughts, anyway. And with that now, let's go over to your responses. Whether you think looks matter in politics or whether they don't, we received a, a good variety of very articulately written pieces of correspondence, as well as recorded feedback as well. So let's go over to a few. Uh, first, we got an email coming in from BG, who says, Unfortunately, with looks being readily viewable today, most people make an instant decision about people. A lot also don't understand the difference in degrading a person about looks and satire about a certain viewpoint. I had to leave a group for that reason. Members were supposed to post memes about this political figure's mistakes and views, but instead it deteriorated into making horrible remarks about their looks, their private life, etc. They just don't seem to understand the difference. So that was from BG. Thank you for your feedback there. It is interesting, and I think, you know, this is one of those things that a lot of people get caught up with. Where does one draw the line between, let's say, satire and reality? You know, like a lot of the times you'll see some people that'll say or even do horrible things and they'll say, well, but, but it was just satire, right? I, I, I didn't really mean it. I didn't really mean what I said or did. Uh, it was a satire. But, but where do you draw the line? Because sometimes you see certain examples of things and you're like, yeah, but that's not really satire. That's just, you know, doing the wrong thing. But then, look, you could even go further and you can say, yeah, but what defines doing the wrong thing or the right thing, etc., etc. Thank you, BG, for your feedback there. Let's go over to Abby. She writes, I believe looks do matter. I personally wish they didn't, but unfortunately to most they do matter. Politicians who look good fit societal trends naturally appear more competent to us. A great example is the first televised debate between Nixon and the JFK. When polls were conducted, the majority of those who listened to the debate via radio believed that Nixon easily won. However, the majority of those who watched it on television, uh, which was most Americans, thought Kennedy won by a landslide. Though Nixon was a strong debater, he looked physically bad and did not connect with the camera. Kennedy, however, was young, good-looking, and engaged with the camera. Guess who got mocked? And guess who got elected president? I think it is the animal nature to care about what things look like, especially public figures. However, while there's nothing wrong with finding someone to look unappealing initially, if someone cannot eventually look past appearances, it's a major flaw, even more so. Nobody should be bullied based on how they look. It is childish and low. Politicians need to be judged based on policy above all else. Unfortunately, the reality is that looks ultimately matter way more to many people. And that was from Abby. Thank you, Abby. And uh, absolutely, look, you, you look at the way the world functions, especially in the U.S., but in many other places as well. Uh, you know, we see it all around us. People are very, very visually focused. And of course, that carries over into the world of politics and uh, in regards to the public opinion, the representation of those who govern us or those who are trying to get elected to govern us. And uh, it was good that you brought up the debate between Nixon and JFK, the first one. Ab absolutely. That one was uh, one of the, I think it was the very first televised presidential debate. And yes, undoubtedly, Nixon was not very camera friendly at the time, uh, but JFK he knew how to take advantage of this newfound medium, and uh, he pulled it off, absolutely. All right, let's go over to some of the listeners who are calling in. Let's go over to Michael in Utah. What's your feedback, Michael? 
Hello, this is my first time calling in, and I'd like to apologize. I've got a bit of a cold this week. Not that you would know how I normally sound. But I just wanted to respond to your question on whether or not looks matter in politics. And I do not believe they should matter at all, but unfortunately they seem to matter quite a bit to too many people. And there are two things that I thought of when pondering this question. And one is that people are so bent on tearing down one another that they're willing to stoop to any level to do so. And the second is it seems that people in today's society um, at least feel that they are too busy. Maybe oftentimes they are, or maybe they choose to spend their time doing things that are maybe less important. And so they don't take the time to look into important political topics and matters. And so unfortunately, I think oftentimes a lot of people, the only thing they know about some of these politicians is simply the way they look. And so they choose to attack that. I think it's unfortunate. I wish people, number one, were a little bit kinder, um, took matters a little bit more seriously. I think if we did that, uh, we'd all be better for it. I appreciate the question, and thank you for taking my call. And thank you, Michael. Good point there. I think a lot of people do not do any sort of research into candidates, or you know, they really get the Cliff Notes version, and uh, you know, that's that's just what they go off of. Uh, another thing that you see a lot when it comes down to primary elections, uh, on any side, and really in any election, that initially. It always takes some time for candidates to, you know, go ahead and, and fully express themselves and explain themselves and become established, you know, get that, that rooting down. But before that happens, you'll have a field of candidates of all various backgrounds and qualifications and viewpoints and so on. And sometimes you'll have frontrunner who just has that name recognition. Uh, you know, for instance, you see that right now in the Democrat primaries that, of course, a lot of people are talking about. There's still a long ways to go. But when you look at the polls one after one, usually it's Joe Biden who's leading. And I think one big reason, uh, yes, you do have people that agree with what he says, but also because he has that name recognition. People like Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren might have a degree of name recognition themselves, I think more people already know who Joe Biden is, and they might just not really process everyone else and say, oh, yeah, Joe Biden, okay, I know who this guy is, right, he was a VP, okay, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll go for him. And uh, at first, yeah, that name recognition, because people just won't research everyone else, they'll just go for the one name that they know. Uh, but then hopefully with time, various candidates will, uh, again, be able to establish their viewpoint better, and then people will say, yeah, well, I do know who Joe Biden is, but maybe I think, you know, this guy has a better, a better policy, or I think would make a better president. Or you might have some people that's, that'll say, yeah, yeah, I know where all the other candidates stand, but I'm still a fan of Biden. Or then you might have someone who will say, well, now that I see everyone, I'm not a fan of any of them, and uh, everything in between. Right, but no matter what, no matter, look, who you support, who you don't support, what political affiliation you are, always research the candidates and make that qualified decision as to who you personally feel is best fit for the job. Support who you support, uh, but just research and make sure of all the options out there you feel you personally pick the one you're most comfortable with. All right, let's go over to Chris in New York City. Welcome to the show, Chris. Regarding politicians being criticized for wearing something that's regarded to be outside the norm, or just looking out in general, I think it's a waste of time and shouldn't really be discussed. For example, on one of the National Democratic debate stages, I think it was one of the moderators, uh, they asked Andrew Yang, why doesn't he wear a tie? And it's like, what does that have to do with anything? Can we talk about policies or values? And this is usually why I stick to independent consecrators like yourself and many others on YouTube that give, for the most part unbiased opinions and don't interject their beliefs onto the viewers but on the other hand i think there has to be some sort of standard you know just look professional look like you carry yourself very well you know if you're gonna run for president you know you have to look very presentable 
but uh, for the most part, people should get judged for no reason. Like Trump in his small hands, you talk about his, his orange skin, or even when Obama said he didn't like ketchup on his hot dogs. It's like this doesn't have to do with what he believes in his politics or his values, and it shouldn't really be talked about. Thank you for your viewpoint, Chris. And uh, yes, of course, people were mentioning about Andrew Yang. Uh, you know, he's the one. He's the one candidate that. You know, he still wears the suit, and he wears the suit jacket and everything, but he never wears the tie. Uh, kind of like a business casual look. But I don't really think that should be too big of an issue. You know, people should be more focused on his policies, uh, whether they feel that those would work out or not, rather than the neckwear or lack thereof that he may be wearing. You know, he still looks professional, don't get me wrong. I always like... Uh, I always like suits. I mean, that's self-explanatory. But especially in a, uh, a political debate, that should be one of the last things that should ever be brought up because it's, truth be told, irrelevant to uh, what's going on. And, uh, yeah, one other thing that I remember, especially since I know you're from New York City, I remember uh, Bill de Blasio, when he first uh, was elected mayor of New York City, I remember watching some of the New York City news. This was back when I, I lived in the area. And I remember they were talking about how he was... I still kind of laugh at the, the sheer absurdity of it. They were talking about how he was, you know, eating a, a slice of pizza. What was it, like with a knife and a fork or something? And I was like, all right, yeah, I know people feel strongly about their pizza. But is that really what needs to be dominating news stations? I mean, surely there are more newsworthy events uh, than the fact that he ate his pizza with some utensils, right? So, uh, thank you, Chris, for your feedback there. Much appreciated. Going back over to the email, Alyssa writes in, she says, Personally, I think that, as a politician, you need to have the mental aptitude as well as being presentable. Even in this age, strong leaders are necessary. So if you appear ill or sickly... The people who you wish to represent will have concerns that you would be unable to do the job because of your health. Citing an example, Hillary Clinton during the 2016 election was a perfect example. Politics aside, she had multiple episodes that went viral that put her health into question that made people doubt her ability to be president. Thank you, Alyssa. And back in 2016, uh, I think a lot of people do remember that. And it did leave a lot of people asking questions, well, uh, you know, what's going on? So thank you for your feedback there. Let's go over to Amanda in California, who writes, I agree that appearance is not important when choosing who to support and who not to support politically, and certainly uh, should not be focused on more than ideas and policy. However... There are inevitable times when we become frustrated with the lack of humanity of some politicians and the stripping of human rights they may be inflicting upon many, and it exhausts us to the point where we turn to childish behavior uh, to express our disgust and let off steam. Sometimes it feels good to clown on someone we hate, and for the most part it is relatively harmless as they have better things to do, I hope, than vainly search their names all day. Many politicians are bad people and know their appearance and such sh should not matter, but although it should not take time away from the news cycle, yes, people are going to mention certain vain things to cheer themselves up and find something to laugh about in the midst of despair, and something tells me Mitch McConnell isn't up every night crying, because people are calling him a turtle. That's from Amanda in California. Thank you for your thoughts, Amanda. And you know, that's going with the approach that, look, uh, a lot of people might not be satisfied with the political system. Uh, they might have their disagreements with one party or another, elected officials, uh, their viewpoints, their policy, etc. And as a result of that frustration... While it can and should be taken to the ballot box, in the meantime, you know, it's an appropriate and relatively harmless way to let off steam. So thank you for your thoughts there, Amanda. Going over to Luke, I believe in Italy, and uh, I apologize, I don't have the location information, but I know you're a regular listener, 
and uh, I believe you are from Italy there, if not, I apologize, who says, when it comes down to looks being on a pedestal, the moral high ground on the subject is absolutely not. Uh, you should be able to present your case regardless of gender, looks, or race. But the reality is, yes, it does matter. The way you look is, in a sense, a reflection of yourself. The way you hold yourself, the way you take care of yourself, your body is like a temple and should be treated as such. Now, that being said, not everyone is gifted with everything, and that is, unfortunately, the way it goes. Humans are mostly shallow. We will naturally drift to whichever performer catches our eye more. You can sing your song and do your dance, but if you're not a leader, then you're not a leader. You mentioned in your podcast uh, personal attacks on politicians, and that got me interested uh, that you also thought, in that sense, to me it seems like personal attacks are too common these days on anything, really. The fact that attacking someone verbally is so common and there is no restraint or even second thought about trashing anything that we're opposed to or whatever opinion we hold. He said there's no respect for anyone but oneself these days. So thank you, that was Luke. And uh, that's an ideology. I mean, again, to, to go even a little further from what you said, I see that every single day just on the street. No respect for anyone but themselves. And I kind of talk about that. And it seems like a lot of people can be very nasty, self-centered, uh, just angry overall, you know? Let's go next to Tony. She has a few recorded thoughts for the program. So this is my personal opinion on whether or not looks matter in who we vote for. Um, I do think it does matter. Um, should it? No. Not as much as it does. Because political attractiveness is completely devoid of policy content. Um, however, I think it's human nature to lean towards an attractive candidate if we know very little about them. Um, I know for me personally, um, I had a hard time liking Obama at first for the simple fact that his name rhymed with Osama. It, it just reminded me of Osama bin Laden, who was one of the most hated uh, people alive at the time. And uh, it took me a while to warm up to Obama just for that reason. So while that's not looks-based, it, it's pretty shallow to judge somebody just based on their name. Well, thank you, Tony, for your feedback, and I appreciate your honesty there. But I think a prevailing trend that we are seeing with a lot of responses is that looks shouldn't matter in the world of politics, uh, but obviously, perhaps due to human nature, they, they, they do, of course. Now, uh, you actually had another question. It was not necessarily relevant to the topic that's being discussed, uh, but since you did uh, include this in your email, I'll just go for it anyway. Why not? It's a minor divergence. Uh, but she just said, I noticed uh, somewhere in one of your videos you mentioned that you enjoy watching true crime. I'm a big fan of it as well, but my question is, you seem to be a very non-violent, peaceful person who doesn't enjoy inflicting pain or wishing misery on others, so why would you choose to watch true crime when that's what the show is constantly showing and describing? So thank you for your question as well. Uh, when it comes down to uh, true crime, you know, you can have an interest in something, but not necessarily support it, right? Like, one thing that always fascinates me is human nature. Uh, humanity, in and of itself, is just a fascinating thing. Not that I was ever any good at, at sociology or psychology, but that doesn't mean that there's no interest there. It's uh, of great interest to me. And it interests me to see how people are, both good and bad. I always try to just treat other people with respect, kindness, and dignity. 
but just because those are the ideals that I put uh, forward in, in life and day to day, uh, that doesn't mean that I'm going to isolate myself in some sort of uh, bubble and uh, just say, well, I'm only going to surround myself and expose myself to like-minded viewpoints that affirm what I feel. Uh, it's interesting to see things from all viewpoints and all angles, and uh, also for the sake of entertainment as well. Uh, you know, just because I watch the true crime stuff doesn't mean that I have any desire to now say, yeah, I want to go out and do this to someone or whatever. Uh, no, not at all. It actually just helps me understand this stuff better. And uh, the legal system, law, all of that has always been of great interest to me as well. You know, same thing with all of this. Uh, yesterday, I was watching uh, some documentaries on 9-11. Of course, a very, very, very morbid event. I was reading about various intelligence agencies and... Uh, and some of the very unethical means they will utilize to get what they want, and many other things, you know, not not all uh, smiles and rainbows and positivity, but at the same time, I try not to let those things, you know, affect the way that I think. And look, I have a very jaded view of society. I think a lot of people have seen that. But what I always try to say is, uh, there's so many terrible people out there. I think people are getting worse and worse. And uh, that this world is just really filling with hatred and narcissism. And it's uh, just crashing and burning. But there is no reason to lose hope. Uh, that despite the ever-growing number of vile people in society coming out of the woodwork. There are still good people out there as well. And there are still things worth continuing on in this world for. And you, you cannot lose hope, and you cannot be too jaded. Like I said, it's okay to be realistic, but don't lose who you really are. Try not to let that negativity completely overtake you. Uh, you know, hold out and remain positive and stay strong. That's, that's, that's how it is, anyway. How about we go over to Pete in Idaho who is writing in, he says, I certainly agree with you that physical appearance should not play any role in politics. However, it seems to be more and more prevalent with each passing election cycle. I remember the famous tan suitgate scandal from 2014, and I was blown away by, he, by how these highly paid professional journalists were spending countless hours criticizing it. I never expected to turn on my television and see four talking heads analyzing a president's choice of wardrobe. In the end, who cares? Unfortunately, it's only gotten worse, with candidates openly attacking each other's appearances on nationally televised debates, often to disturbingly enthusiastic cheers from the audience. Whenever these attacks occur, rather than turn the other cheek, the reaction of modern politicians seems to be to sink even lower in their counterattack. I believe this ultimately comes down to the type of society we live in today. We live in a world where we feel empowered to say any nasty thing that pops into our head about anybody over the relative safety of social media. There are many people that relish seeing their elected officials sink to a similar level and it makes their own transgressions feel more socially acceptable. In addition, candidates in modern politics understand the power of going viral. For example, going on television and saying Donald Trump is a fat slob, or Bernie Sanders looks like he brushes his hair with a balloon are statements that hold no real value and utterly fail to explain why you are a preferable candidate. But they will draw far more views, shares, and likes than coming out and saying, Donald Trump's budget is fiscally irresponsible, and here's how my plans are better. In this day and age, people don't want the boring politicians of yesteryear. They want theatrics, and most importantly, they want to feel like their representatives relate to them. Seeing their chosen representative act in a certain manner will make a percentage of the population feel empowered to act in a similar manner without shame. I hope as a society we can move beyond this one day, but in our current climate, I have my doubts. Very eloquently written, Pete. 
Thank you so much for writing in. Let's go over to Lucy in England. She says, In response to your last question, right away, I don't think looks should matter at all in politics. These are going to potentially be very important and influential people, and to back them based on anything other than their views, policies, etc. would be foolish. And I do think the general populace is sensible regarding this. I doubt there are many folks out there voting for someone they oppose in every viewpoint just because they like the look of them. But when it comes to the opposition, it seems like anything is game. It doesn't seem that folks dislike a politician because of their appearance, more that they dislike a politician and then resort to lazy criticisms. After all, it takes some amount of research and effort to criticize them based on their standpoints, but it's very easy to look at someone and say they look a bit weird. It also feels a little mean-spirited to bring looks into it, since for every politician with a particular feature, there will be other unrelated people out there with those same features. When you start to associate behavior you dislike with a certain appearance, it only contributes to a culture of unfairly judging people on harmless ways of expressing themselves, or for features they can't even control. And indeed, particular ways of dress have gained a negative reputation just because certain groups of people stereotypically favor them. Perhaps that's thinking too deeply into it, but it's certainly something to consider. From Lucy in England, thank you, Lucy, regular listener. And uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that. One thing that I remember getting criticized on, and uh, I remember I was kind of shocked that someone would even go ahead and... It's like, why, you know? You know, I have this black overcoat uh, that, of course, I would wear quite a bit in New York, but even here in Florida, when it gets a little cold in the winter... Granted, not very cold. Uh, I will wear it. And, uh, you know, it's just a full-length men's overcoat, you know, single-breasted. Goes down to uh, around my knees or so. Long, long coat. And uh, a lot of people in New York City, especially white-collar workers, wear these coats. Uh, you see it a lot. I always just think of it as like a, a businessman's overcoat. Uh, where especially, again, in New York City in the winter, you will see lots of people that, you know, with the suit, they have these long uh, black coats that they'll wear with them. So, uh, you know, when it gets cold, I'll wear one of those too. But granted, uh, because, you know, Donald Trump, he came from New York City as well, he wears the same coat. I remember once I was wearing it, and people were criticizing and attacking me because I was wearing the same type of coat that Donald Trump wore even though I bought this coat years before he ever even ran for president. But now I guess wearing an overcoat brings about a negative connotation. And that's taking it way too far. Let's go over to Eric, who recorded a couple thoughts. Welcome, Eric. Hello, John. My name is Eric. I live in Winter Park, Florida, um, somewhere around your neck of the woods, I do believe. Um, I am a newer... Uh, let's call it recruit to the uh, review bra fandom community. Let's use the word community. But I mean, uh, yes, I mean, look should matter a little bit. I mean, obviously, a certain amount of hygiene goes into it. You know, you need to, you know, be clean, you know, present yourself, not have your hair be a mess. Um, but other than that, I don't think it should matter so much. I mean, it shouldn't matter, you know, and I'm just talking regular people here, whether or not you want to wear a suit. You know, which is not necessarily in style, not in fashion, which you know. Um, if they want to wear a suit, that's fine, you know, as a, as a regular person. If you want to wear jeans and a t-shirt, like I do, nothing wrong with that either. Um, as a politician, I, I, I would say the same thing. I mean, they're considered more professional, you know, business professionals, so a suit should be still more traditional for them. But, I mean, if they want to go out, you know, into a small blue-collar town and, and, you know, do a meet-and-greet, they should feel free to wear, you know, whatever they want. If you want to wear jeans or, you know, khakis, you know, any type of slacks and, like, a polo or even a t-shirt, that should be fine. Um, you know, and if they want to come in a full suit, too, I mean, that's fine, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't think you should be judged based on 
how you choose to appear. But when it comes to what you can't choose, you know, like you said, people making fun of some of the older politicians, like Bernie Sanders, for example, saying, you know, he looks old, you know, he looks, or Bernie, or not Bernie, um, Joe Biden, you know, they say, you know, tired. He looks tired. He looks old and tired. Like, that's not something he can choose. You know, you know, if you look a little bit older, you might look tired, even if you're well-rested. And, I mean, you shouldn't be judged on that, is basically the point I'm trying to make. So, yes, looks matter, you know, based on what you can choose. You know, I mean, but as long as you're clean, who really cares? You know, what makes you happy? Whatever you want to wear, whatever makes you happy, that's fine. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Like I said, we live in an increasingly casual world, at least in the U.S. So if our politicians started dressing a little more casual, that's okay with me. I mean, basically what, what we should really be focusing on is whether or not you agree with their stances, their values, and all that. Well, welcome to the community, Eric. It's great to have you here. Nice to hear from a Central Florida listener as well. And thank you for your feedback. And, and when it comes down to appearances, like absolutely, like you said, I think there needs to be a little bit of a like a most basic standard but aside from that if they want to go casual well that's all right if they want to wear a full suit that's fine too like you said i think there are a lot more important things uh that could be discussed instead of let's say whether the person is wearing a full suit or if they're wearing uh you know khakis and a polo or <laughs> yeah you'll never see this again uh but God forbid, let's say they're wearing a wing collar with a necktie. Sometimes I'll wear that look. It's a very antiquated look from the early 1900s. I like the way it looks, but sometimes I'll wear it and, oh, you know, why are you wearing that, etc., etc. Thank you, Eric. All right, now we hear from Jackson. He says he's a first-time correspondent. Welcome to the show, Jackson. Hey, Ruby Bra, this is Jackson. This is my first time sending in correspondence, and I have this written down, so if it sounds like I'm reading something, it's because I am. I usually listen on YouTube, Red Audio, or SoundCloud whilst I'm working on my farm job in Southwest Virginia, and in response to last week's question on whether looks matter in politics, I think, of course, if anyone wants to be taken seriously about their political career, they should dress neatly and appropriately, but as far as the way someone's hair is or what colors they wear or just their all-around appearance, I think it is a total giveaway that you are too lazy to take time and put together an actual argument about why you disagree with this person. I completely agree with you, and I think it is stooping very low and is a very foul political practice. And to close out, thank you very much, John, for your podcast, and I hope to be able to put more input soon on another topic. And thank you, sir, for your feedback and for writing, and pleasure to have you listening. And uh, always happy to get your future correspondence. Chelsea writes in, and uh, she has been a long-time listener. I remember she's been here since the early days in 2014, so thank you for uh, for uh, being just a regular listener for the, the duration. Now she writes, In regards to your question in the last VORW regarding whether or not looks matter in politics, I don't agree at all with criticism of aspects of people's appearance that are involuntary, I also don't care about looking respectable as a concept. I care about how people act, and I think that one reason people criticize the appearances of others is that people might be uncomfortable with voicing their real grievances, which might have absolutely nothing to do with what they are actually criticizing. It's a way to smokescreen bias, whether or not that bias is justified. It's also just easier. However, I believe that there is something to be learned from how people choose to present themselves. For example, politicians whose appearances seem to be engineered to appeal to the largest demographic possible uh, really creep me out. Uh, I personally prefer Bernie Sanders' comparatively disheveled appearance to Joe Biden's eerily even tan and constant smiling, dazzlingly white teeth. Now, you also do mention looking too old. And to give my opinion, I don't have a problem with politicians looking old, but being really old is kind of an issue. Uh, to me, both Sanders and Biden are too old to be president. At 78 and 76, respectively, they would both be above the average male life expectancy during the presidency. Either one would have to have a damn good vice president 
in the event of their deaths. So thank you, Chelsea, with your views and feedback there. And uh, that's one thing that I, I have noticed you see a lot with uh, certain political candidates, uh, where they, they try to appeal to the largest you know, possible demographic. Uh, but, you know, I mean, maybe that strategy pays off. Thank you for your viewpoint there. Joanne in San Diego is uh, writing in. She says, I think that looking good always gives politicians and public figures an advantage. I don't think it's fair, but it's human nature. Unfortunately, not everyone overcomes human nature with rational thought. This seems to be even harder for female politicians. Ones like AOC or Kamala Harris have it easier than someone like Hillary Clinton who had to hire a stylist. On the other hand, there are men like Chris Christie who seemed to get by just fine regardless of physical appearance. On a side note, it's interesting how folks with unique polarizing looks who own it develop such a rabid slash thirsty fan base. The first time I noticed this was with the singer K.D. Wang, and you seem to have a similar thing going on. Human nature is bizarre. It certainly is quite bizarre. Thank you for writing in, Joanne, in San Diego. Yeah, I mean, Chris Christie, I remember, I think on a national level it was different. I remember when he was the governor of New Jersey, you know, I knew a lot of people in New Jersey, and I remember some people had some very... Uh, not nice words uh, in regards to him and uh, his weight. And uh, needless to say, I heard many, many expletive-filled uh, rants about him during his tenure. But again, I think on a national scale, you didn't really hear it as much just in Jersey, where uh, you had many people who felt very strongly uh, about his uh, term as governor and, and his actions. I think you can squeeze in some more feedback. Let's go over to Max. Hi John, um, my name is Max, I'm from Wellington, New Zealand, the windiest city on the planet. It's true, look it up. Um, I've been an avid listener now for about two years of this podcast, and I've been a watcher of your channel for about five or six years now. In regards to your question about looks and politics, I think while obviously looks aren't important for the ultimate goal of voting on a politician that you you know support their values and you support the policies and their kind of outlook on life while that shouldn't be important i think that because of the very nature of being a politician it's so so public it's in the most public sphere maybe of any profession up there with like entertainers and these sorts of things your look is the face of your political brand, and your look is the face of what you're trying to push, ideologically or otherwise. It's 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 what people see, and that's very very important because you know humans are such visual things. And I think every single person, you, me, the people listening, everyone, has positives and negatives to to their look dependent on who's looking really so you know i could see a negative thing in one person i could see a negative thing and then one other person could see the same thing and see it as a positive and i think what happens is people elevate a certain very distinct thing about a politician's look on either side so the supporters will see that thing or maybe a different thing and you know elevate it up and say look how good it is you know they'll they'll, they'll take their height um their you know, dress sense, their physique, how well they speak, or how socially savvy they are, and they'll, you know, they elevate that up, perhaps, you know, out of proportion to what reality is, and people who are opponents will do the exact same thing, they'll find something about them, you know, with trumpets, the hair and the face and the, you know, cadence of speech, and they'll just rip that apart, and I think, you know, um, you know, people do the same thing with Bernie Sanders and things, you know, you know, everyone gets it. And um, while I think it is childish, in a sense, to mock someone's looks, people have their beliefs, and they, they, if they think that an opponent 
politically is kind of the antithesis of their beliefs and their values, a way of dethroning them and invalidating them, maybe through looks. And, you know, in a perfect world, looks wouldn't be paid any mind, I don't think. But I think the fact that people do make fun of politicians and the way they look so openly, um, it's an act of expression in a way. And I think it's we're, we're kind of lucky to be able to do that and not get executed on the spot. Um, and, you know, it is going to be childish because that's just the nature of people. We are childish things. So I think it's just... A, a, one way of, you know, showing your support or non-support for someone while it is childish and while it may be, you know, biased. It's just, you know, that, that freedom that you have to do that. And people definitely go overboard, but I think also, I don't think it's an awful thing for politicians to be made fun of their looks because they get made up fun of for everything else. I think that a look should be something they're secure in you know, by the time they get to that age where they're a serious politician, they shouldn't be worried about it. And while that ex- doesn't excuse awful, misogynistic, racial, whatever kind of remarks, I think ultimately it's pretty frivolous. And thank you, Max, for your feedback. And with that, I think that's all that we really have for today's discussion on looks, whether they matter or not in the world of politics they're important, if they're not important, trivial, or essential. So uh, thank you to all of you for sharing your viewpoints and opinions, and it was wonderful to have a wide variety of viewpoints on this matter. That's the beautiful thing about it. And always remember on VORW, I always welcome any viewpoints, supporting, opposing, middle of the road, or anything in between. Well, with that said, always remember that next week's discussion is going to take a turn to uh, the universe. Do you think there are multiple universes, or do you think that ours is the only one? I'm, I'm just curious to see what other people think about this, uh, what your reasoning is, if you think this or that, uh, you know, if you think it has to be or isn't, or anything. I'd like to hear it. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Uh, explanations, stories, you name it, are always welcome. Again, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. You can type up your response or record it and uh, send in the audio file, should you wish. So there are many ways to go about doing that. And uh, as always, remember uh, that I do have the special broadcasts to the Bahamas, and uh, a lot of work goes into it. As I recorded it earlier, I think I said about 10 minutes of news, but I have updated it. Uh, it's 20 minutes of news now in uh, every broadcast. Again, many, many features, discussion and perspective there. And uh, then some of the entertainment programming as well. And uh, the broadcasts are having an effect. Uh, the other day, I got an incredible email from a listener in Freeport, Bahamas. He said, practically everything is cut off here. But I have my emergency radio. I caught the show on 5010 kilohertz. It was great. And he just said, I really appreciate the balance of, of the news and music. And I think it's emails like that to know that there are people in the target area right there on, on Grand Bahama that was impacted so terribly. That this broadcast is reaching and getting out to that make everything that goes into it more than worth it. So it's incredible. Thank you all so much to everyone out there who helped this broadcast become a reality. Uh, also, the broadcast on 1300 AM from uh, WNQM Nashville is, uh, again, it is developing. Though I did do a test transmission to determine the effectiveness uh, the, other, uh, the other night on Saturday. And the uh, response was great. Uh, the broadcast blasted into the Nashville area. And believe it or not, uh, I was able, I got reports, people were able to pick it up in, uh, even in Birmingham, Alabama, over in North Carolina, someone in Indiana heard it on 1300, and, uh, actually in, in Florida, I went outside with my portable radio, I picked it up, and, uh, it was even making it in 
all the way from Nashville on the AM over to Florida. So it's reaching a huge, huge geographic area for an AM station. And uh, already feedback was great for the test transmission, so I know it's going to be it's going to be wonderful. It's going to reach a great new audience as well. So with that, again, feedback is always welcome. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. And since we're at the very end of the show, there's no harm in asking once again. Consider supporting the program via PayPal to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Patreon at patreon.com slash the report of the week. Last week's show, The Kubrick Show, got demonetized and pulled from the search for a while. I guess the algorithm hates Stanley Kubrick. Uh, I appealed it, I contacted them, and they brought it back, but, you know, too little too late. It was already shot down and killed. So, uh, could happen to any show. Nothing was earned last week aside from your support. Keep that in mind. Otherwise, there's no way to keep this broadcast going out to the wonderful listeners all around the world. You included. You're a wonderful listener. And thank you for tuning in. Take care. This is VORW, and I will be seeing you again next Thursday, the 19th. Take care. <laughs>